I was born in Siberia, far from any city. An airplane made a forced landing at our village. That was the first plane I had ever seen. I was fascinated. From Siberia to Moscow, she camped outside of Marina's office for days, refusing to give up, before the commander finally accepted her into the regiment. But with no experience flying, she was assigned as a mechanic in the 588th Night Bomber Regiment, and she hated it. Fueled by rage and a desperate need to win at something, she gave up sleep, teaching herself to fly for the chance to become a pilot one day. This is Katerina, Cat. These are the true accounts of the only female combat pilots of World War II. I'm Gabrielle Pickle, a huge history buff. And I'm Meg Mesmer, a huge advocate for untold female stories. Part one, early life. The Gulag. Why am I saying that cheerfully? (laughs) The Gulag. The Gulag. The Gulag was a system of forced labor camps established during Joseph Stalin's long reign as dictator of the Soviet Union. The notorious prisons, which incarcerated about 18 million people throughout their history, operated from the 1920s until shortly after Stalin's death in 1953. At its height, the Gulag network included hundreds of labor camps that held anywhere from 2,000 to 10,000 people each. I'll let you do the math. Conditions were absolutely brutal. Prisoners could be required to work up to 14 hours a day, often in extreme sub-zero weather. You have to think Russia, but worse, Siberian tundra. Many died of starvation, disease, or exhaustion. Others were simply executed. The atrocities of the gulag system have had a long-lasting impact that still permeates Russian society today. So who went to the gulag? Anyone who had ties to disloyal anti-Stalinists that could be imprisoned. Even children were sentenced to live in these harsh conditions on the camps. Prisoners were forced to work on large-scale construction, mining, industrial projects. Food rations were tight. Workdays were long. If prisoners didn't complete their work quotas, they received less food. The work was often so grueling that prisoners would cut their hands with axes or place their arms in wood stoves to avoid working for a few days. That's some shit. That's when you know you want out of your job. Many women faced the threat of rape daily by male prisoners or guards. Prisoners in the gulag were given sentences, and if they survived them, they were permitted to leave camp. And if they worked extremely hard and surpassed their quota, some prisoners qualified for early release. Ekaterina's uncle had spoken out against the Communist Party. He was executed, and his entire family, including Kat, was sentenced to eight years in the Gulag forced labor camp. At 12 years old, Kat was very good with her hands and assigned to do mechanical work on trucks. She learned everything there was to know about engines. She also worked harder than anyone else in her family, earning extra food rations for her sick mother, and eventually securing her own early release from the gulag. Although she was free, Kat was incredibly jaded, but she knew she had to be careful. One wrong move and she could be sent back to the gulag. The secret police were always watching. She was also half-starved by the time she reached Moscow. War was coming, and Russia needed more trucks, tanks, and airplanes. So Kat immediately got a job working at an airplane factory. She worked tirelessly at the airplane plant, 
learning everything she could to make herself invaluable to the war effort. And on September 8, 1941, a flatmate dragged Kat to an anti-Nazi meeting, and she heard the words that would forever change her life. The Soviet woman. She has the hundreds of thousands of drivers, tractor operators, and pilots who are ready at any moment to sit down in the combat machine and plunge into battle. Dear sisters, the hour has come for harsh retribution. Stand in the ranks of the warriors for freedom. She went home and immediately wrote a letter to Marina Roskova, begging for an opportunity to serve at the front lines. Many other girls at the factory also wrote to Marina, Stalin, and Army Command, begging them to join the war effort. Marina was seen carrying a suitcase full of these letters around the city, pleading her case for the female flight regiments. On October 8th, a local radio broadcast went out that Marina had been given her three all-female regiments, and they were accepting interviews for pilots, navigators, armorers, and engine mechanics. Kat showed up at her office as soon as her shift ended at the factory. Over 3,000 girls applied for the regiments, many of them in person. The lines for interviews ran all the way through the building and out into the street. Kat came every day after work, hoping it would be her turn, but she didn't even make it inside the building that first week. Determined that this would be her future, she sat in line all day and all night on her first day off from the factory. One of Marina's commanders noticed the skinny girl with a stubborn scowl sitting in the hallway who refused to go home. Kat got her interview, but it didn't go so well. While her technical experience was perfect, they were looking for strong, able-bodied mechanics who could lift bombs and repair planes in freezing weather. Kat looked like a starved prisoner. Her fiery eyes flashed with determination. It is the very skills I learned in the labor camps that make me the best candidate for your regiment. If the gulag could not kill me, I doubt the Nazis can. Marina liked her spirit. Chapter 2. Training The job of a mechanic was the most physically demanding of all. However, they didn't have any medical or physical fitness tests for the female volunteers. It was just assumed that Russian women were strong enough for the mechanic work. Because in Soviet times, often Soviet women would repair the roads in the city and also the railways. During maintenance, they would do very hard, manly, heavy work. Kat arrived at Engels and immediately lifted two heavy bombs by hand to help load them onto the plane. Even though she looked frail, she was strong. It is how she survived the labor camp, being stronger and faster than everyone else, especially the men who like to rape little girls. When I first came to the regiment, I was not pleased. I had never worked with girls before, only men. The girls seemed noisy, and some of them naughty. (laughs) They probably were. Some of the girls would smear their lips with lipstick before they arrived at the airfield, even though it was strictly against regulation. When the girls received military clothing, it was all male. Every piece of it. Everything was so large. Kat received a very very large pair of boots. And while she was checking the aircraft one day and getting ready for a mission and training, she took off her boots and performed her job bare-legged. So, such a great picture. Yeah. Um, A staffer of the regiment approached to inspect, so she jumped into her boots as to not incur a uniform violation. 
But when the command was ordered to about face and all of the girls turned in line, their boots didn't because they were too large for their feet. The commander tried to be mad at the lack of military decorum, but whose fault was it really? He laughed as he left the airfield. But the next day they were given smaller boots. (laughs) Hmm. Kat was a small girl with a quick, aggressive temper and was one of the few women who smoked. It was a habit that she introduced to the rest of the women who picked it up as the war went on. They learned quickly how it soothed their nerves. Well, especially because they weren't allowed vodka. Somebody needs advice, it's war. (laughs) Chapter three, the mechanic. The ground personnel, mechanics, truck drivers, bomb loaders, were usually from factories or working families or the gulags. The pilots and navigators were usually from universities and top flight schools. There was a large class divide among the girls. But by the end of the war, the women were so bonded together, it seemed like they were sisters. The relationship between mechanic, pilot, and navigator was especially sacred. The mechanic was the one who determined the life or death of the flight crew. We were new at being mechanics, and the airplanes were also newly born. Because planes were in such high demand, they would send planes that were not ready for combat. I would work on a new plane for a long time to make it reliable. When you knew your friend was going to fly into combat, you did everything humanly possible to make sure the plane was in perfect condition. Kat prepared each aircraft for combat missions every night. She was responsible for maintenance and operations. At times, they flew 10 or more missions a night. That was 20 or 30 aircraft that needed to be refueled and rearmed with heavy bombs 10 times a night. There was also no antifreeze available for aircraft early in the war. So each mechanic had to drain the engines of water and oil at the end of every night during the winter months so the engines wouldn't freeze and crack. The girls were issued gloves, but they quickly figured out that they were useless when attaching the bombs to the plane in pitch black dark. Because of the muddy airfields, they could not use trucks and had to carry the bombs from the armory across the airfield to each plane by hand. And the bombs were extremely heavy. Then one by one, attach each bomb to the planes and send the girls off to blow up some Germans while the mechanics moved on to the next plane. By the end of the night, their backs felt crippled. My hands are scarred and misshapen because the kerosene we used. Many parts of the engine were very hard to get to. It was impossible to wear gloves when we did maintenance on the planes. When it was very cold, I would touch the engine and my fingers stuck to the metal. It pulled my skin off. At the front, often their food options were very limited. Command bought loaves of bread, sugar, and some grains. They had to cook it themselves after flying for 12 or more hours. In the morning, they had white bread, a cube of sugar, and water for breakfast. Dinner was cooked grains and a cube of sugar. Sometimes, special times, they were given hot water, but there was never any tea for it. When they were on a mission that required them to stay in a village, it was wonderful. Girls were always excited. One such time, Kat was stationed in a village, and each female pilot was assigned to a family home. Kat was in a house where the housewife cooked special cakes and eggs and other delicious food for her to eat. She was so excited and happy to have a substantial meal and a good sleep. She ate and immediately fell into bed, but dreamed that her airfield was being attacked by Germans. The housewife woke her up 
You must get up. You must get up. Your airfield is being bombed. She rushed to the airfield with the other girls to save her plane. One German plane followed them down the row, very low and close. The dust from the bullets hit the ground at their heels, spewing up on the backs of their legs. The girls threw themselves to the ground, and he flew directly over them. By the time the Germans finally flew away, three girls were injured, and the planes had sustained heavy damage. One day, a young lieutenant approached Kat while she was adjusting the pedals of the plane. Her legs were sticking out of the cockpit because she had to dive in headfirst to do the job. She saluted him with her oily hands and told him she was almost done preparing the plane for flight. He was shocked to see a woman climb down from the plane and perturbed by her lack of decorum. He stomped off and appeared five minutes later with the chief mechanic of the regiment. Kat saluted him. The aircraft is ready, sir. The chief mechanic stood beside the pilot, embarrassed. As soon as the lieutenant left, I asked him respectfully if there was something wrong with my work, and he said my work was excellent, but that the pilot did not want to fly this aircraft because it had been prepared by a woman. Even though Kat tried to mind her own business and do her job, she was always getting into trouble for something. <laughs> I think the secret police put the commanders up to it. Or... I am just a very troublesome person. <laughs> Once Kat was arrested on base, she had to do some technical work on several aircraft that took some 50-odd hours. When she went to the mess hall for a bowl of soup, the commander arrested her because she was, quote-unquote, not supposed to be on duty. Kat was sentenced to 10 days in the guardhouse, which was this upright coffin thing where she had to stand for 24 hours a day during her sentence and couldn't move. Her female regiment commander got her out after only two days. The male commander had made up lies about her in his report. And that negative report followed Kat through the end of the war. Can you imagine standing up for 10 days? I don't even know how that'd be physically possible. One time when the commander was off base, the deputy commander ordered her to do something that was outside of protocol. She said that it was not the job of a mechanic. He'd grabbed her by the collar, and when, she tr and when she tried to pull away, his hand groped her breast. So, like any smart girl would do, she slapped him. It was instinct. He pulled out his pistol and tried to shoot her, but the other girls hung on his arms so he could not lift the gun. Instead, he ordered her imprisoned for days. I was locked in a basement full of rats. I wore my full uniform with hat and gloves the whole time so the rats couldn't get to my skin. The girls snuck me food. When her commander returned from Moscow, he saw the conditions and immediately released her and gave her a day off to rest. The deputy commander was cruel to everyone, especially the females. And for that, he was discharged from the regiment. Thank God. Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm glad they let him go. Chapter 5. The Navigator. It was not unusual to return at the end of a night's mission to find a friend or two, dead. But they couldn't give way to grief. The girls painted the fuselage of their planes with the words, revenge to the enemy for the death of our friends. As the girls died, there was a shortage of pilots. Navigators were retrained as pilots, mechanics as navigators. Kat's hard work finally paid off. All those hours during training when she gave up sleep to practice flying had been worth it. She was asked to be a navigator. On one of her first missions, her pilot took her up. 
Kat was so excited to finally kill some Germans. As they reached the target, Kat tried to deploy the bomb, but it wouldn't release. It was stuck. The girls didn't know what to do. They knew they couldn't land the plane with the bomb still attached because they would explode. So there was no option but to find a way to release the bomb. Kat jumped out of her seat as they glided over their target. She climbed out on the wing and kicked with all of her rage over and over and over again until the bomb fell free. It fell so very fast, she could feel the heat. She leapt back into her cockpit, barely avoiding the blowback from the blast. The female regiment had been flying for a thousand nights straight in combat since they reached the front lines. Every day, the girls became more courageous. They flew through the German front lines for each mission, breaking through three defense lines of German artillery to bomb target airfields, railway stations, train tracks, field headquarters, bridges, and supplies. But we never became accustomed to the fear. Before each mission, as we approached the target, I became a concentration of nerves and tension. My whole body was swept away by fear of being killed. It impacted my sleep. I had anxiety attacks. I only slept two to four hours each day throughout the four years of war. Kat came down with rheumatic fever. She didn't know that it was called that at the time, but she definitely had a severe cold. Because she was a navigator, she didn't actually have to fly the aircraft, so she refused to report that she was sick because she knew the doctor would pull her from flying, possibly permanently. She fought through the illness as her joints got stiffer and stiffer. She ruined her health, but at least... She survived the fighting. Once the girls were given a holiday, it was very rare to have a holiday. So they celebrated with wine. Otherwise, they never drank. Marina had forbidden it so that they would be better than the men and their vodka. The girls were so out of the habit of drinking that they got drunk immediately. In the middle of the celebration, the Germans started advancing. So the girls were ordered on a mission. I sank into the mud as we walked to the plane. I was quite drunk. My pilot grabbed me by my flight suit and pulled me to the plane. They took off, but were very jovial and did not care at all about the mission. (laughs) Kat and her pilot laughed so much that they didn't even notice when they were over the target until it was almost too late. They had to circle around to drop the bombs. When the two got back to base, their commander was very curious as to what had taken so long. I think that's great. It's like... If they had no fear when they were drunk and that it was, you know, (laughs) they didn't even notice they were at the target and whatever, should more people be drunk when they're (laughs) fighting a war? war? Flying planes? Yeah. Not my pilot. Please, no. (laughs) One frigid night, Kat and her pilot Vera had just finished a successful bombing run when bullets from German anti-aircraft guns attacked their flank. German searchlights chased them through the sky. Then suddenly... Out of nowhere, a German night fighter was on top of them. The PO2 rolled back and dived away out of the searchlight beams. It seemed like a brilliant evasive flying move. Kat shouted, well done, through the intercom at her pilot. But the pilot made no reply and her head hung to the side. The plane kept diving. In the rear cockpit, there were duplicate controls and with her pilot unconscious, Kat knew she had no choice but to take control of the plane. She needed to get them out of this dive. They were down to a thousand feet. Slowly, the nose came up 
and they were level again. Cat tried again to speak to her pilot. Silence. Cat raised herself from her seat carefully, because with any movement, it could throw off the equilibrium of the plane. She grabbed toward her pilot's head. The helmet had a big hole in it. She poked through and felt a sticky mess. Her friend's brain slid out under her fingers. Warm blood coated her hand and then froze in the cold air. She could see Vera's long legs wrapped around the control column and jammed under the rudder pedals. She jerked the body up and the head lolled backwards. She leaned far forward over the corpse to pull up the body far enough to clear the control and still be able to fly the aircraft from the rear cockpit. Her arms ached. Vera's blood coated her body. But Kat wasn't ready to die. Did it ever occur to Kat to tip the aircraft and throw Vera's body into the darkness? To the women that lived and died in the little night bombers, that would have been unthinkable. When Kat landed, she dragged herself from the cockpit and collapsed on the airfield, her sleeves stained red. Vera had been one of the regiment's best pilots and was awarded the Hero of the Soviet Union. Kat, for her outstanding courage, was given the Order of the Red Flag and promoted to pilot. Chapter 6. War as a Pilot I was finally flying. It was my first mission as a pilot. It was snowing, making visibility difficult. We made it to the target and I was elated. My time had finally come to kill Germans. We dropped our bombs, hit the target, and turned back to our base. Oil started leaking into the cockpit. The engine stalled. I begged my dead mother to let us find a place to land. I managed to make a soft landing in the snow. Our plane was black with oil in the white snow. We had to hide in the woods and slowly walk back to our base. When we finally found our unit, it was morning. I was devastated. We had crashed on our first mission of the night and missed the remainder of the night's missions. Soon after, they received a message that the Polish people had started a significant resistance against the occupying Nazis and had requested their assistance. Kat immediately started flying missions over Warsaw. The city was burning and covered with smoke as the Nazis and the resistance blew up each other's strongholds. It was difficult to breathe the air full of black powder. After those missions, most girls couldn't even get out of their cockpits from exhaustion. During a battle on the Black Sea, the girls received word that the naval troops had no water, ammunition, medicine, or food, and had requested urgent assistance. Kat volunteered for the mission. It was a rare mission when she got to save lives and not destroy them. It turned into a very tricky mission. There were the normal anti-aircraft guns, spotlights, but the target was tiny. And unlike with bombs, if they dropped the supplies a couple hundred meters either direction, they would be helping the enemy and not their own people. They dropped a flare to find the target and the tiny surface area of the drop zone. Finally, she released her supply, hoping that it went to the right men. The German guns were firing from all directions. She felt a shell explode near her aircraft and looked over to see a large hole. When I returned, there were bullet holes in the wings, map holder, and even my helmet. Then I heard via radio that the supplies made it to the stranded naval troops. That was the greatest news. A strong German counterattack was developing a few miles away, and Kat's PO2 was having a lot of engine trouble. 
Kat's major ordered her and her engineer, Sonia, to stay and finish the repairs, and then they would fly to the new airfield. One by one, the rest of the night witches took off, and soon they were left on a deserted airfield. It was ghostly quiet. Dropping bombs from above the ground was one thing, but the women felt a different sort of fear being on the ground. Were there hundreds of Germans watching them right now? Kat felt for her pistol, which was at the ready. Sonia was one of the regiment's best mechanics, but she was having an unexpected problem. Kat was impatient and tried to help, but they were losing time. Kat looked at her. We may have to walk. Sonia's face went white. Through her binoculars, she saw a line of German tanks heading towards them. They are here. They couldn't even attempt to hide the plane now, so they opened the fuel tank and let it splash to the ground. You could smell the fumes. And then, Kat aimed her pistol towards her aircraft and fired. Within seconds, it exploded with flames. The two women ran through the smoke and into the thick forest towards a village four miles away. They kept to the trees until they reached the village. They studied it for a long time, wondering if the Nazis had taken it over. They crept up to a little house and cocked their pistols. As the door opened, they saw the face of a little girl. Kat held out her hand. It's all right. Don't be frightened. We're allies. A woman grabbed them and told them the Germans had raced through the village without stopping. Kat and Sonia asked if they could borrow clothing so that they could dispose of their uniforms and hopefully sneak through the village. They shared chocolate with the kids as the woman brought them peasant clothing. They thanked her and got dressed in the tattered clothing and went on their way. Two Germans were tinkering with an engine. There wasn't anyone else around, so it seemed that they had been separated from their group. At first, they ignored Kat and Sonia, but as they got closer, one of the men suddenly stopped them. He said something to his friend in German and laughed, then grabbed Kat, pressing her towards a gap in the bushes. Kat screamed, Sonia, your gun! She brought her gun up and shot the Nazi point-blank into his face. Blood spurted from a socket where his eye had been. Sonia's gun was stuck, and the other German was lining up his submachine gun. Kat cocked her gun again and shot the man twice more in the stomach, her anger running wild. They had killed many men on the night missions, but none so close up. The girls dragged their Nazi corpses out of sight. Careful to not look at their faces. Two days later, Kat and Sonia walked back to the regiment. Kat was a very powerful pilot. In her plane, she kicked and skidded, taking aggressive action during a fight. Anyone who knew her could tell exactly when Kat was the one flying a plane. And then, returning from a mission one day, she overshot the runway. She came down in a field miles away from the airfield. The aircraft hadn't exploded, and it looked like she was able to land. But when her fellow flyers approached her plane, her face was ashen. It seemed that she had been shot in the leg during an attack and simply bled out. They wrapped her body in parachute silk and buried her just after sunrise so they wouldn't disrupt the combat mission. After all, they were still at war. 